You guys can be seated today. Happy Father's Day. I see some dads around. I see um, some new faces, and it's great to, to have you here. Some faces we haven't seen in a while. Just welcome to Fathom. Uh, we always joke if this is your first time or your last time, we hope it's an amazing time. And we really hope that, that this is a place that you can grow in your faith, but you can uh, also grow in family, that there is this sense that you are not in it alone. You're not going through whatever you're going through alone, that God is doing something um, in us, but he's also doing it kind of through us as a community to impact the city of Jacksonville and just kind of around the world. I'm just blown away by what God's doing and what he's going to do. Um, we've you know, been pouring into, I, I took a trip to Cambodia earlier this year, and we just reached out and just began to give constantly to help build houses for uh, displaced people there. And um, God's now starting us, leading us to Kenya to, uh, for a mission trip early next year. So I'm just excited about what God's doing, uh, hearing just the stories that God's doing. Uh, and so I'm so excited about that. Again, happy Father's Day to you. Uh, we're going to dive in today. My dad's not here with me. He's actually been coming up throughout the summer um, to, see, uh, to see us and be here at Fathom, but they're actually tra- traveling on the road. And um, I love my dad. I have uh, just a, a wonderful father. And uh, what I remember about my dad is I remember him coming in the door and um, from home from work, and me and my brother, who's just 15 months younger than me, would just attack him. And we'd just go wrestling for hours. And, um, you know, and now I see that with my son when I come home and he attacks me, and all he wants to do is wrestle. And I'm like, dude, I'm not a playground. Like, I know. I look like a jungle gym sometimes, but I'm not a playground. He just wants to climb and wrestle. Um, and so I see that, and, and I remember how my dad would turn down promotions um, so that he could come home early and be with his family, and he wouldn't be called to, to work extra overtime. I, I remember how he would coach our teams and do everything. He was just doing his very best to be at everything he could. And I remember how he would go out and do uh, work around the house. He's like a super handyman. Like, he can fix it all. He can build it all. My dad, like he walks into a room and he analyzes it. I mean, it's like a sensor and a scan that goes in the entire room. And he's like, I can build everything in here. I mean, he's just that kind of craftsman. And I remember him doing all this kind of stuff. And my son now sees me doing um, away stuff short of what my dad does, but doing my little handiwork around the house. And he calls me Bob. And he'll, sometimes he'll, Bob the builder, and he'll go, Bob. Like he'll point at me, I'll build something or I'll fix something. And to me, and my wife are like, it's like hacked up. It's like duct taped together. And he's like, Bob. Like, I'm like, I'm proud of you, Dad. You're the man. Uh, you're just like what I see in the cartoons. Um, I remember that about my dad. I know how my dad, he taught me financial responsibility and how to manage money from a very early age. I, I can recall um, so many times of him just teaching me to deal with it. And so, and then I remember how he taught me to own up to my shortcomings and take responsibility for when I fall short. So many things that he instilled in me has allowed me to be uh, the man I am today, and I'm so thankful for my father, and he's not here with me today, but I'm, I'm going to make him listen to this so he can hear me bragging over him, just know that I'm proud of him. But regardless of what kind of father we've had on this earth, whether it's a good example, a bad example, or a non-existent example, um, there is something that God wants to do in us and through us today to understand our significance because I think for a lot of folks, for a lot of parents, sometimes we don't even realize our significance until we have a child. And we realize, okay, someone is actually dependent on me not being a complete idiot. <laughs> and like pulling it together and taking care of them. 
I was just talking with a, a, a soon-to-be dad, and he's like, it hasn't hit me yet. I'm like, no, it won't hit you until you are taking that baby home, and they're like, they're literally going to leave me with this baby? Like, and you get this kind of sense of, oh my gosh, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm significant here. And, and many of us don't realize that until we're a parent. Um, but I think ultimately our significance should be birthed out of being known and chosen and loved by God first and foremost. And then there's the whole other level as becoming a parent. And so I just want to share today on really significance and, and using the word legacy. Using the word legacy. And that we as fathers, we as mothers, as men and as women would understand that our significance on this earth matters. And that it's not just about the moment and what we can give tangibly, but the things that sometimes are, are intangible that really matters. And to do this, we're going to look at, at a person whose legacy is incredible. Someone we find in the, in the Old Testament, his name is David. A lot of times we can turn people in the Bible as characters. I don't know, some of you might have grown up in a Sunday school environment and they were cartoon characters before they were actually real people. But these are real people who lived, David lived about 3,000 years ago, and his legacy uh, was enormous. I mean, it was enormous in, uh, the, for the people of Israel. He was like the best leader. Many people thought he would be like a Messiah, but his story didn't start like that. He's a per- person that has an epic story. I mean, significant highs, significant lows. I think he's one that if we were to study his life, it would take us a year or more if we were really to get into it because there's so much there. Um, he was a king, but he came from these humble beginnings of a shepherd. Um, and, and there's just so much there. I mean, his, his, uh, I mean, he was talked about 27 times, 27 different books of the Bible. David is mentioned. M- many times in the New Testament referring back to him, you know, saying, I mean, I mean, just to think about it for the Jewish people, it's called the Star of David. Jesus came from the line of David. Jerusalem is the city of David. He is a person of epic proportions that lived 3,000 years ago, but his legacy lived on through the New Testament 1,000 years later, and it lives on today and the impact that he made. And so I'm going to look into not his whole story. There's no way we could do that. Not even the highs and not even the lows. But I want to look to the very end of David's story. A time when I don't know if you can be more reflective than when you, you know if we are so privileged to have the opportunity to know that we're soon to die. And David's last prayer. David's last prayer. I think we're going to see so much power in here. And so whether I'm going to speak specifically toward fathers, but know that everything I'm going to talk about is not father-specific, gender-specific. But there are principles in which all of us can live out. Um, so let's look to First uh, Chronicles chapter 29. It's the last chapter, the very end of, of Chronicles. And there's so many just stories of kings and just incredible kind of battles that take on in Chronicles and just the story of God's people uh, towards the Old Testament. And so again, First Chronicles chapter 29, and we'll kind of just take a, a portion of David's prayer here. David's praying to God, and, and just to set this up, I want you to know that David, as a king, he felt like he really, there's something known as the Ark of the Covenant that, that symbolized and represented God's presence being held and that the, the people of Israel would care for it in, in such a way. And, and it was moved around in a tent for, for many, many years. 
And uh, David had a desire in order to build a temple. He wanted to build a house for God's presence, that it wouldn't just be moved on, on that. And, and God, you know, said, okay, but that's not my plan. Like, I know that's your plan. That's not my plan. I actually want you to prepare it, and I want your son to build it. And so that was something David was always pushing and kind of keeping in the back of his mind. Here, David's last prayer. We're in, just kind of jumping in at the middle of it. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance in that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and it all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. So we're going to go right back uh, to verse 15 here, and I want to break this down for us because I think there's so much. I think every scripture has something to say to us as fathers, as mothers, as individuals, that our, our lives are significant in how to approach our lives. I think here first in verse um, 15, if you'll go back to verse 15, um, I think the first thing we see here is that to be a father of the present, to be a person of the present because life is short. Because we're foreigners, we're strangers. It means that we're just temporary inhabitants of this life. And most of us, we don't realize this until we lose someone close to us. And maybe you've been protected from losing people close to you, but any of you, and I know several of you have it in the recent months and in the recent years, if you've lost someone close to you, you realize it hits you. Life is short. Life is short, and we're not promised tomorrow, and our days on earth are like a shadow. James said they're like a vapor. I mean, they're here today, and it's just like a mist that just disappears, like a fog from the morning. It disappears as the sun shines through, it's without hope, like, there's no changing that, like, some of us that are young in the room, you may feel like you're going to live forever, but you will not, your days on earth are short, and they're like a shadow, they're there for a second, all of a sudden, they're gone, that, what I'm encouraging us today is to be a father of the present, because life is short, be a father of the present, I've got this app on my phone, I don't even have my phone with me, but it's, it's called uh, Legacy, it's an app called Legacy, and it actually tells you on there, you put in the ages of your children, when your children are born, and it gives you a countdown of how many hours, or how many weeks, how many days, how many hours, how many minutes, and how many seconds you have left with your children before they leave home. If they leave home at 18, if you're so lucky, from what I hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was one to take off when I was 18. I was gone nine hours away. Um, but, but not everybody kind of works like that. But they, they kind of set it up when they graduate high school. And honestly, I put it on the front page of my phone because I want to be reminded of, to be focused on my legacy, to be pouring into my children, to, to be a father of the present. But every time I open it, I want to close it so fast. There's this tension within me, which I, I want to recognize it, but it scares the heck out of me. 
to realize that every second that goes by, every second I focus on something else or have to get this done or have to work a little bit of overtime, that those are precious moments that I'll never get back with my kids. There is this weight that kind of, that, that rests on me with that. So if we could be a people of the present. I love this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 when um, we, we, we get the words of just loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And, and God is impressing to his people. And it says this, Deuteronomy chapter 6, impress them on your children. Talking about God's commands. Talk, to, uh, talk about um, them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your, on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. There is this idea that I think even in, in Americana and what we've made the church is that, that the church and the pastor here is, is the pastor of your home. But really, if you're a parent in, in the room, like you're the pastor, you're the evangelist to your home. Like God has in, enabled you, has put you in a position to, to lead your family and to, to shepherd them and care for them. And, and so many times we look at the church and like, oh, that's the place. I got to get my kids in there so they'll get, um, you know, indoctrinated or they'll come out good or, or whatever. Those are kind of the, sometimes the things we think. I got to get my kids in church so, you know, they don't turn out like a screw up, which that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes if, if that's kind of our mentality, they'll turn up more like a screw up if we don't take seriously the role we have in our homes. And if you're not a parent, you, the role you have in, um, in, in your workplace, in your circle of friends, that, that your significance isn't maybe about children right now, but it is in your, your circle of influence, because we all have a circle of influence. So be a father of the present. Be a person of the present. Be a mother of the present, because life is very short. Uh, the second thing, we look to the next verse, um, verse 16, and we see, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I think there is this understanding from David, and I think it's why God would even say that David is a man after his own heart, uh, despite his, his, his really low points in life, that he was a man of great humility and gratitude. And when he messed up, he came running back to God. He realized that, look, we've brought all these things, but God, it's really you that has provided it all. It all comes from you. I think there is a, this idea, especially with men, especially in America, that there is, uh, we're self-made men. You know, where there's this idea, or even women um, in, in the room, you may say, like, I'm just kind of a self-made woman, or I'm an independent, independent woman. And there was a quote that came out years ago, when I think it was when Jeb Bush was um, running for governor. Everybody know who Jeb Bush is? He used to be governor here. His dad and his brother were president not too long ago. Um, and there was this quote that came out from Jeb Bush, and he, and he called himself a self-made man. And this made some people laugh because, like, your dad was president. <laughs> like, you had it pretty good. Like, maybe you didn't grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth, but it might have been gold, <laughs> you know, uh, actually. And so it's this idea that, man, you think that you kind of made this place, and that was probably more of a political move to try to steer. And look, I'm a regular guy. Um, but I think within our culture, there's this idea that we've made everything, that we've worked to do this, and we've accomplished these things. And we don't stop it and look at it with humility and gratitude that it all comes from God. God's the one that's given us health. I mean, he's the one that, that allowed us to live in the, the place that we did, that, that we're not, we didn't grow up in, in a village in the middle of, of nowhere. Not that that's like the worst thing in the world, but certainly, like we live a blessed life here in America. 
And, and we ought to stop and remember those things and count those things. I love uh, James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. That God has good gifts for us. Um, down from the heavenly uh, uh, father, or the, from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So though our time is short, like God has good things for us on this earth, and though our shadow is fleeting, his love and his gifts are not. The things that he can pour into us and bless us with are not fleeting like the shadows, are not disappearing like the fog. And so we begin to see our source of all goodness comes from him and not from what necessarily what we can bring into the office every day, what we can bring to our families every day, but what God can do through us and how he's blessed us. And I love being able to just pray with Becca every night when he goes to bed. And many times we just, we thank God for who he is and we begin to thank God for all the things he's blessed us with. And it's, I love how my son, he like begins to lead the prayer sort of. Like I'm praying and I'll, I'll be praying over certain things or praying over certain people. And Beckett will be like, and Papa, and Gigi, and Baba, and he, and, and, and from like, um, and for toys. And like, he begins to say all these things that he wants to thank God for. And there is this, um, there is something happening in that. We can say, well, that's just, you know, kids being kids. But I think there is something within my child that over time, will matter, that he will be grateful because we have prayed every single night to look around and be thankful for even the smallest of things. I, I know that my child, he'll be grateful because I'm pouring those things into him and living that before him, thanking God. Move to verse, um, I think it's 17, we're at 17 now. So to be a father of the present, to be a person of the present, but also be one of humility and gratitude. I think we see that from David here. And so far he said we, he said are, and this time he starts his sentence with I. It gets personal for David here because he's thinking back. Uh, he's reflecting over his life. I know, my God, that you test the heart and you're pleased with integrity. This is a man that fell really short, a man that had committed murder, a man, uh, or he at least had someone, had someone killed, a person that had cheated on his wife and had a baby. Um, all these uh, things I have given willingly and with honest intent. I think there's some confidence in that. Like, I, I've given what I can give, and I'm doing it with honest, like an honest heart. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. I think ultimately he's saying, be a father of the, um, be a father of integrity. Be a person of integrity, because God sees the heart. If you look back to the beginning of, of David's journey, David was a shepherd, he had a bunch of brothers. His dad's name was Jesse. And he had, had several brothers. And again, he was the smallest. He was the runt of the clan. Do I have like any youngest of the family, smallest of the family? Anybody in here? Okay, yeah. I was the oldest and I was the tallest for a little while. My brother's only 15 months younger than me. Um, but slowly but surely, he got bigger than me, and then I became the runt, which was not cool as the older brother. Um, but I, I kind of understand kind of where David's coming from in that semblance, because we've all been around and felt like the runt of the clan, felt as the insignificant one in a crowded room. You feel like everybody else has their stuff together, but, 
but you don't. And going back to David's early, I think he's reflecting back. That's why it gets personal for him. He reflects back to the start of his journey, and a prophet named Samuel was uh, told by God to go and anoint the next king. Saul was, um, his life would be over before long, and, and, and David was to be anointed as king. But Jesse comes, David, uh, David's father, and he's like, well, check out this son. And he's kind of promoting all these other sons that are maybe stronger they're maybe a little bit sharper at the time. And he's beginning to push them, and they're all probably jockeying for position to get anointed by this prophet Samuel as the next king. Like who, if, like if somebody came into your room and like they're going to anoint a king or a queen, um, you wouldn't be jockeying for position. Like I'd hope it'd be me. And like you'd look over when they get it, and you're like, oh, and like there begins this envy. That's another story. But certainly you kind of see this kind of um, family issue that's kind of happening here. And, and Samuel says this right here. Let's go to, to, to 1 Samuel. Uh, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. He's seeing one person like, maybe, maybe that's the, the Lord's anointed. Let's continue. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart and at that moment, Samuel said, no, I'm not looking for these guys that have it all together on the outside. I'm looking, I'm looking for the person that has it together on the inside, the one that's faithfully shepherding sheep in the fields. No one else sees his faithfulness. And that's who I'm looking for. That's what God sees. So if you're in a place right now that, that you, you haven't gotten a pat on the back or anyone to tell you you're doing a great job as a, as a dad or as an employee, that the people take you for granted, you ever feel like that, just take a deep breath for a second. Know that you have a God in heaven that doesn't look at what everybody else looks at, but he's looking at your heart. And he sees what no one else sees. And God is testing our hearts at times. And that's why David can look back and say, I know that God tests the heart. I know that he is looking for a man of integrity, a woman of integrity. And so today, if I could just tell us, be a father, be a person of integrity today, because God sees the heart. Be a person of faithfulness on a daily basis. So be a father of the present. Be a, a, a father of humility and gratitude. Be a father of integrity. Move on to the next verse. I believe it's verse 7, 18 now. Uh, Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. There is this idea here that David, I think, would say to us today to be a father of prayer. I think he understood that in the great scheme of not only the legacy that has led up to this point, but the legacy that will be on beyond this point. At the very end of his life, he's looking forward, and I think he's saying some really honest prayers, and you want things to go on. I mean, you, you've heard of people um, that kind of seemed to all of a sudden, and, and it's wild how it works sometimes. I know in our family, um, we, we've had some, some family members pass away, and it's just uncanny the things that happen, even when it's sudden deaths that were unexpected, the things that they just did in arranged. I know with one family member, just all of a sudden, he kind of got all his stuff in order, just as far as like if he were to die. He just made his will or just finalized his will and just made these changes. Those things that happened at the last minute were somehow, in, in the great scheme of things, there's this preparation for what is next. I think we see that in David in his prayer life. 
I, I say for us to be a, be a father of, the pr- uh, of prayer because God hears us. Because God hears our prayer. Uh, look at this text in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. We talked about this last week about prayer and that we approach him as father. Approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He actually hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask for him. If we ask it to his will, we know we have it. We can approach with confidence. Um, I, I, there's this book called The Circle Maker written by a pastor up in Washington, D.C. Uh, named Mark Batterson. And he tells this story. He, he has this whole idea about being a circle maker, praying around the things that you, uh, that you want, praying around scriptures over your children. And uh, There's this story of uh, a man named Wayne, Wayne and I, I can't remember his wife's name, I'll call her Susan for right now, but Wayne and and Susan back in the 80s, um, they began to pray circles, and and, um, Susan had gotten pregnant, and um, uh, they began to pray circles around their child, scriptures, and so every night he would lay his hand on his wife's um, stomach, and they'd pray circles, pray scripture over over their child. They didn't know the gender, they weren't going to find out until the baby was born, but they're just praying circles, praying scriptures uh, around um, or over their child, and at so, so early on, God gives them um, a name to pray for, and they didn't even know the gender. But God tells them begin to pray for Jessica, and so they didn't know what that meant. Like, do, is Jessica like going to be our child, or is this going to be something else? Like, what what's going on here? Just pray for Jessica. So they began to call her by name. They prayed for months and months. Pray for Jessica. So months would pass, and towards the end of the pregnancy, that's kind of still going there uh, in their brain, and God gives them another name to pray for. And uh, I'm assuming, I don't know this for sure, I'm assuming they, they knew it wasn't twins. Um, so that's kind of even more crazy. And, and so they get this name Timothy and begin to pray for Timothy, and God had, um, had told them kind of in the midst of this, begin to pray for um, your child's spouse, that sounds like a wild thing when you don't even know the gender, and now you're getting these names to pray for. And so they're like, oh, God, that's a little bit weird, but we'll do it. And, and so they just begin to pray over Timothy, and they pray over Jessica. And, and you know, they, are, they have a, a child, and it's a little baby boy. His name, they call him Timothy. Like, that's the name of the boy. Apparently, this is that. So years pass by, 20 years pass by, and um, Timothy gets married, and coming walking down the aisle is a, is a young girl named Jessica. And they had pr- that they had prayed for, and Timothy was allowed to date people that weren't named Jessica, just if you're wondering. Uh, it, it was something that they had never even told him. It was never even on their radar, but they had prayed those circles around their child, and, and just listening to God and walking with him, and they prayed circles, and that he would marry a girl, and now they lead a Bible study at this author, at this pastor's church. They lead a small group. And it's just this incredible understanding that our prayer, God hears us. And even if you don't see those prayers come to fruition, even if you forget about them, he does not forget. And so to pray, be a, be a father, be a person, be a woman of prayer today because God hears you. He hears you. Uh, lastly here, and if the band will come, I, I think the last thing we see in this last scripture, um, this last verse, um, verse 19, and give my son Solomon, so it gets real specific. He's talking about all the descendants and he's talked about things that have really mattered to him, and now it's going to his son. And give my, so- my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decree, and to do everything to build 
the palatial structure for which I have provided. I think, I think my, my last thing that I think David would even say to us today is to be a father, to be a person of legacy because they'll build on what you leave them. To be a father of legacy, that knowing that this, this life is short and whatever you build, whatever you work on this life, you'll leave it with them. And if you build a house, they may sell it and squander it. If you leave them money, they may blow it. If you leave them anger and fighting, that is, that is what they will be left with to build in their relationships. But if you, like David, leaves just an incredible humility and love for God, a passionate love for God, that is what will be left with them. Be a father of, of legacy because what you leave them, they'll build with. And, and let's, let's look at this. Let's look just a couple of verses over. And, and First Chronicles ends and David passes away. And Second Chronicles chapter 1 picks up and Solomon is king. Solomon's king. And the first thing that Solomon does is present sacrifices to the Lord. Like a, thousand, like a thousand sacrifices. It's like this incredible expense that he poured out to start his reign as king. There's something too that I think. We won't get into that today. But then God asked him, that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Like, I mean, this is like a genie question, right? <laughs> like sometimes, I think we talked about this last week, God's not a genie. This is like the one place in scripture where he's like, you know, ask for whatever you want. And Solomon answered, God, you've shown great kindness to David, my father. And you've made me king in this place. There's this sense of gratitude that has been passed on. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed. For you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. I think there's this humility now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? I, can you hear the humility coming from him that has been passed down from his father? Uh, the life of integrity that he would sacrifice would be the first thing that would happen. And God said to Solomon, he was moved by this request. He said, since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor like 95% of us would probably do, right? Like God a house would be super. That would be great. A car that would not break down me every day would be amazing. Nor for the death of your enemies. And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people, since it was really about stewarding with what I have given you, over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had and none after you will have. He asked for wisdom and God gave him everything. Solomon went on to be the richest person that ever lived on the earth and he, he was noted as the person, the wisest person to ever live. David's legacy lives on 3,000 years later because it came through his son. I believe he was a man of the present that when he made mistakes, he owned up to them and he came broken to God. He was faithful in the fields when nobody else was watching him. He, he was a man of integrity that God would call him a person after his own heart. He wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But he was willing to be used. 
I believe he prayed these circles around his kids and he wanted his legacy to live on long after him. I, I heard this, this story recently of a, a man that called another man and um, he said, hey man, what you up to? And he goes, well man, I just killed five flies. The guy's thinking, okay. He's like, I killed three males and two females. And he's like, what do you mean you killed three males and two females? How'd you know they were males and females? They're flies. He goes, well, three of them were sitting on the remote and the other two were sitting on the phone. (laughs) It's a joke. That's your cue to laugh. I pray that today we wouldn't be known by our distractions, the things that distract us from the things that are most important. But after we're long gone, we'd be known for the things we cared about most for our faith and our family. The things sometimes aren't the tangible things that pass on, but we would be see ourselves as people of integrity because life is short. And remember this, that, that the only people that will remember you when you're gone are the people that know you now. The only people that are going to remember you when you're gone are the people that know you now. And it's not about being famous, but it's about being faithful. I believe that's the lives that God's calling us to live today as fathers, as mothers, as men, as women, to be people of integrity, people of prayer, people of legacy. I ask you to stand with me and pray.